1: This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello and welcome back to the Agenda Podcast here on the Blood Red Channel. I'm your host, Edward Kay, and I'm joined today by Kiefer McDonald. And yes, instead of just talking about him for five minutes on every podcast and apologising for bringing him up again, we are just going to do a podcast on Jude Bellingham today. Um, I think... It's basically impossible to scroll down any sort of Sky Sports or Twitter news feed now without seeing anything about him and Liverpool. But I think the latest thing I saw was Sky Sports uh, reporting that he is going to be Liverpool's number one summer target. Um, I mean, I'm not sure that's the biggest scoop in the world. I think we all knew that. But um, it certainly seems that way, at least. And Liverpool obviously normally known for keeping transfers under wraps and being quite tight-lipped about things. Even Jurgen Klopp's not really denying it in interviews now. He seems to answer questions about it quite a lot. How far on the, you know, you're likely to unlikely Bellingham to Liverpool barometer, which seems to change every day. How far along are you, Kiefer?
0: Well, it's it's certainly an interesting one, isn't it? Because as you say, you, you know, you can't go five minutes without kind of hearing his name associated with uh, with liverpool or jordan henderson or trent alexander arnold in, in some capacity so you know kind of everywhere you look at, at the moment um you know Jude bellingham's name is is there um in terms of liverpool's likelihood of, of signing him i think to be honest as everyone knows i think they've got a good a chance as anyone you know if, if you think the main competitors are pro- probably real madrid um you know yes potentially you know you've got the financial kind of capacity of manchester city if, if they want to have a say in the conversation but um, reports yesterday that, that Manchester United have kind of fallen behind in in that in that sense. Um, so you know you would kind of think it is potentially a two-way shootout. Like I say, potentially a three-way shootout if Manchester City are going to get involved. And and why would they not after everything you know we've all seen this uh, this winter from from Bellingham in Qatar. But um, you know uh, you know we we've done um, some long reads about him. You know Paul Gorse did, did uh, one earlier earlier this week and uh, you know basically just saying. Um, how how far Liverpool's interest dates back, and obviously they've done done a lot of the leg work. And you know he, he came to came to Kirby in as an under 11s player for Birmingham on, on a two day trial uh, at the academy. Then it was at that point um, you know his parents decided not to relocate to Merseyside. So I think Liverpool have got a good a chance as anyone really, because you know they have done that groundwork and, and there has been previous interest there, and and obviously it has just happened that he's kind of exploded you know, over, over the last kind of, you know, what it feels like the last 10 days, obviously he has, he has done really well while he's been in British Dalton, but this has really been, you know, the, the making of him, you know, if you want to compare it to, on a, to a greater extent of kind of Michael Owen at, at the World Cup in 98, uh, like always against Argentina, it feels like that, you know, this is Bellingham's moment. So, um, yeah, I think Liverpool, you know, they will be there or thereabouts in the conversation. And I think now with kind of everything that's been said, you know, with Trent Alexander, with Jordan Henderson and all the kind of jokey kind of relationships that they've been having, um, I think I think you you've only got to have a stronger feeling that maybe, you know, it's natural. They are players. They are humans. At the end of the day, obviously, some conversation, you know, is going to be had there, and you know, hopefully, um, you know, Liverpool can get it over the line and, and kind of you know pit the likes of Real Madrid. And obviously, we'll touch on on factors that might persuade you know Liverpool to maybe be in the driving seat, obviously, later on. But yeah, I think they've got a good a chance as anyone.
1: Yeah, you've brought me straight on to something I wanted to ask you about, which is all the obviously the, the videos, the images you're seeing of. Trent and uh, Jordan Henderson, you know, sticking to Bellingham like glue, seemingly. Um, a lot of people on Twitter obviously talking about Agent Trent, Agent Hendo. They really do seem to be getting everyone's hopes up. But how, how aware of what they're doing do you really think they are? You know, they, they're whipping us up, in seemingly on Twitter, into a bit of a fever pitch now, especially with recent interactions. You know, they see the celebrations. Like, uh, How much do you think uh, it factors into their thinking when they're doing things like this? What, How fans are going to perceive it?
0: I think, obviously, there is an element of they do know what they're doing, you know, in, in terms of, you know, one recent example is obviously the, the photo that Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, you know, put on Instagram last week, I think it was, or, or Twitter, or, or both of them kind of, uh, you know, they're having a stroll around Qatarum on, on one of the days off, I think it was after the the Wales game, they obviously qualified for the round of 16, and you know it was I think the caption was chilling with my bro or something like that and you know whilst it it can be harmless and and obviously a bit of fun I think obviously you know Trent Alexander Arnold probably knew what he was doing when he when he clicked the share button Um, but obviously we know even before Liverpool's interest has been you know really really concrete in terms of you know the past you know the past maybe I don't know six to eight months where his name has been you know really the forefront of every transfer conversation um, we know that, obviously, last year at the Euros and prior to that, when he, when he made his England debut in late 2020, Henderson obviously had taken uh, him to his wing, under his wing, sorry, and, you know, there had been a relationship established between the two. And I don't think, you know, I think for Henderson's part, I don't think any of that is is to, to maybe gain at club level. Maybe now that relationship might, you know, turn into a bit more, you know, a friendly kind of close-knit one in terms of, oh, are you joining Liverpool kind of thing? But I think at the time, you know, Henderson is, you know, I think maybe... <laughs> people are seeing that now but he is obviously a model professional um you know he's he's probably been the the most off the top of my head and he's probably been the most successful English midfielder at club level over the last you know five six years um and you know you only have to look at what he's won with Liverpool and kind of how integral he has been to obviously Champions League and and Premier League winning sides so I think as as you know Jude Bellingham coming into that um you set up at St. George's Park. There's, there's no reason why he wouldn't gravitate towards a Jordan Henderson because we know his eagerness to kind of, you know, propel himself to the heights of, of world football. And, you know, to do that, you do need the discipline and the kind of commitment that Jordan Henderson has displayed over his career and and especially at Liverpool. Um, so, you know, for someone for someone like Jude Bellingham, he's the perfect, you know, mentor really. Uh, but like I say, obviously, the dynamic of that relationship kind of as the transfer links kind of intensified. obviously, well, Will alter and, and change um but i don't think you know I, I don't think um henderson would be doing it you know think, i don't think he's doing all this because you know which i just listened to something there that, that bellingham did with the the lion's then segment they do every day and he just said the celebration between the two was completely unplanned completely natural um you know that's not something you'd plan of oh, you set me up in the world cup we'll do this we'll do that which is know it just kind of shows that the relationship that is there is a a natural one it is two lads who obviously love football and obviously are are proud to represent the country and and obviously given the feat they achieved overnight you know by assisting one another and obviously scoring in in the round of 16 of a world cup you know it's every lad's dream really so um yeah I think obviously there's the similarities there as there will be with all the lads in the England squad I think that's one thing to point out is certainly in my lifetime it's probably the most close-knit England squad that has been you know everyone looks like they enjoy being there and you know, you, you hear the likes of Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Gary Neville, Wayne Rooney even saying that during their playing careers, you know, England wasn't the place it once was, you know, players of, of different you know sides would sit on different tables and eat their meals, dif- you know, separately. It was all very like, you know, Manchester United here, Liverpool there, Arsenal there. Whereas now, you know, there's, there's plenty of them who seem like best friends. Um, so I think that obviously plays a massive factor, but like I say, there's, there's no reason why Drew Bellingham wouldn't want to interact with you know, someone, and again, even someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold, who has experienced a similar kind of trajectory. There was, I read something this morning that Adam Alana said, and he said that you know Bellingham's rise to start and reminds him of Trent Alexander-Arnold's, and, you know, in, in terms of um, you know bursting onto the seed, if if you want to call it that, at the age of eighteen, and and kind of winning every honor in the game by by twenty-four. Um, so you know, as as well as you know, maybe having a bit of a joke and a laugh there, I think there's certainly plenty for, for Bellingham to learn, which is understandable.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned there, I'm not I'm not sure that celebration was planned. It looked, it looked pretty natural, and if I'm honest, I'm not sure Jordan Henderson's got quite a prolific enough record to be planning celebrations when he scores goals. Um, but, you know, w- were Bellingham to decide to join Liverpool and come and play alongside uh, Jordan Henderson? Obviously, we've seen how well that balance has worked with them too in the in the England midfield. How well do you think he'd fit in at Liverpool? Do, does balance even come into it with a player who seems so individually so, you know, perfectly balanced. He's got composure beyond his years. He just seems to have everything. How well do you think he would fit in at Liverpool?
0: Oh, he'd fit like a glove. And I think that's obviously a testament to kind of his skill set that he's that he's acquired and, and obviously demonstrated and and obviously particularly in, in kind of recent weeks for England. Um, you know, we, we've seen him play uh, that role, that kind of uh, retracted role of the striker in, in kind of a number 10. We've also seen him play in, in a two. We, we've seen him play on the left. Um, and obviously the other night he played alongside Henderson in front of Rice in in a more free-roaming, um, you know, number eight kind of role. And, and we saw, you know, he he was prolific down the left, wasn't he? Obviously he gets the assist um, there for Henderson's, but, you know, just his intelligence and, you know, his ability to, um, to pick up positions and half spaces and drive with the ball. I mean, he's got everything you'd want from a midfielder um and I think of the other night was again the reason it was quite telling is because you know playing with someone uh sitting you know in the sense that you know Declan rice it was maybe a similar capacity he would play at Anfield you know you'd have Fabinho behind him so to, to kind of almost um what's the word to kind of almost have that kind of uh dress rehearsal almost or audition um in that left-sided number eight role which you know you look at Tiago who's playing there at the minute it's 32 I think going on 33 so um you know he's not going to be around forever as, as good as he is and obviously we all know that he does struggle to, to play games back to back to back and obviously the injuries that he has you know that have you know plagued his career almost so um yeah I think you know if you you, you could pick him up and it's the same for Rice as well I know he's not a top the topic of conversation but he's another player you could drop into this Liverpool side and you think they would improve it tenfold and that's not sly on Fabinho at all but um you know like I said, Bellingham he's just he's just got everything he's just he's just not and he when he gets on the ball he's someone who who gets you off your seat um and like I say his skill set is so versatile obviously there's a story about why he wears number twenty two in, in terms of what you know dating back to his Birmingham days, you know, they said you know he's a number ten, he's a number eight. Uh and if my math is correct he's a number four as well. So um you know he can you can play those all those kind of different different positions and like I say, for the for the money as well, which is obviously being talked about, um, you know, 150 million euros is the kind of latest report from Germany. Um, even you know, if he was 25, you'd probably argue that it's worth it. But the fact that he's 19, um, and you've we got a midfielder there for 15 years, and if you don't, you know, the resale value is going to be high if he if he was to leave in you know, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, or at the end of a contract or whatever. So, um, it, I just think it makes it makes absolutely perfect sense. Um, and you know like I say he certainly hasn't he certainly hasn't lowered his chances of securing a move as he with with the kind of the, the displays he's put on he's he's scary as I said too earlier. you know you speak to people about Michael Owen and that goal he scored against Argentina at France 98. you know I can only imagine this is similar to that obviously with social media the kind of hype is obviously intensified but you know for for 19 year olds you know a teenager to, to do what he's doing and kind of drag England as he has done into the into the knockout stages at, at times when you know they haven't they haven't been great um I think he's just he's just everything you'd want in a midfielder so yeah I think you'd 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 slot in perfectly to this to this midfield uh to the Liverpool midfield and and obviously he offers goals as well which is something you know you can argue as 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 lacked at, at times in in recent years with Liverpool maybe taking a, a more conservative approach and kind of allowing the front three or front four maybe to to kind of take that burden but you know if you can get goals from your field goals and assists is is what wins your games at the end of the day so exactly you know everything
1: the agenda on the blood red channel Interesting that you mentioned how well he plays with Declan Rice as well. Obviously, current ownership situation, it, it probably wouldn't ever happen at present. But depending on where Liverpool are in the summer, who knows if they go out and buy Bellingham and a Rice. But, you know, that is a bit being a bit ambitious, depending on uh, takeover situations, obviously. And as we mentioned at present, uh, reports are Dortmund are expecting somewhere between 100 and 150 million for him. Could Liverpool at present? Afford that fee and wages. Obviously, you look at when Nunez came in; it was Mane. Mane had left, and that was what allowed us to bring Nunez in and give Salah that bumper contract. Do you think it'd be a case of Liverpool being able to bring him in without letting anybody else go, or would somebody have to go to make way? Do you think?
0: Well, you think that you know Oxlade, uh, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain and Naby Keita are you know in the final now eight months of their or seven months of their, their Liverpool deals. Um, you know they they expire at the end of June, so from the 1st of July they are free agents. You know from the start of next month they can both negotiate with with overseas um, sides on a on a pre-contract agreement. Um, so I think now if you if you were to kind of hedge your bets, you, you'd probably suggest that both of them you know will be, be walking out of the Anfield door at the end of the season. Um, and obviously it remains to be seen kind of what happens with with James Milner. But if I was to take an estimate between Oxley Chamberlain and, and Naby Keita, so that's easily. You know, two hundred fifty thousand pound a week in wages spared if, if they are to, you know, leave and, and not renew their deals, um, you know, might be slightly more than two hundred fifty million, but uh, sorry, two hundred fifty thousand a week, but you know, that is probably the base mark that they're, they're, they're probably both, you know, taking home about you know just one hundred twenty-five each, maybe a bit more, maybe a bit less, but you know, that that's a wage that would more than cover what Bellingham is is going to be earning, you know, especially I think at Dortmund he'd probably be on what. 60 70 at the minute at most um i mean he's on his first contract he signed as a, a prodigy from the championship he's not going to be on, on much more than that if, if at all anymore Um, so i think in terms of wages i think you know it, you can you can almost sort that in-house um i think obviously the ownership situation and, and kind of what is happening obviously does have a um it obviously does have an impact because you know if there is going to be a full sale but you know fsg have have said, um, you know, Mike Gordon said it is going to be business as, as usual. And that obviously relates to January. And, and we'd imagine further down the line that relates to the summer as well. Um, but as you say, you know, reports coming out of Germany this week, uh, 150 million euros, which obviously is, is, is a lot. But as I said earlier, Madrid have said that um, they won't risk the, uh, the economic stability of the club um, to pursue Bellingham at that 150 million pound mark. So that would, you know, only, whether that is them trying to bluff Dortmund, who knows. But if you look at the finances behind it, um, you know, having signed Tushimeni, um last summer, having signed Kamavinga the summer before, having signed Hazard two years before that, um, they're currently doing the burnabout extension up, um, the, the renovation, sorry, which at the moment is, I think, down as about 750 uh, million euros. Uh, and I think the, the reports are that they are asking for another loan which, in a worst-case scenario, would take the um, the development cost uh, just over one billion euros as, as a worst case. So reports in Spain are saying that they they are going to be asking for another loan, which would suggest. And if you kind of put, put the pieces together, why they, they you know they're not willing to um, sacrifice the stability of the club. Again, whether that is them bluffing, who knows? But you know, it all does kind of all add up. Um, you have got I think we, we're only just whether people like it or not, we're only just coming out of the the coronavirus pandemic and kind of the, the impact that it's had on clubs in, in the last, you know, two, three years. Um, you know, transfer windows, okay, maybe the summer was the first one, but they're still getting back to normal. It's still a, a volatile market, you know, especially for selling clubs. Um, so if, if Madrid are showing their hand and saying, you know, we're not going to pursue that, that top kind of echelon of 150 million euros, it obviously gives Liverpool a, A free run, if you like. Like I say, obviously Manchester City could could probably cough that money up, so could PSG. But you know, from everything Bellingham said so far, it would sound like you know a club with the kind of values and philosophy as Liverpool has in terms of you know he's he's said on record a few times that he wants to give people memories and and you know he doesn't want to just. You know, play for money and and, all, and not not that you know playing for PSG and Manchester City couldn't. But if you think, you know, which club kind of epitomizes you know making memories and kind of ingraining yourself into a fan base, it's it's Liverpool Football Club. It's playing at Anfield. It's you know it's, it's being the face of those big European nights. Um, so I think when you look at it that way, um, and like I say, that the, the potential departures of, of Navigator and Oxlade uh, Navigator and Chamberlain add a potential James Milner to that, who obviously signed the one year contract in the summer um again who's probably on I imagine maybe have taken a, a pay cut in the summer you know maybe something of a hundred hundred thousand pound a week so you know you have got the wages there to kind of offer Bellingham a lucrative deal and the thing is he's not going to be coming in on you know 250 pound a week if you think how much it took Salah to, to get that you know that was his third contract at Liverpool obviously, he signed the initial one then he signed one in, in 2018 and then obviously got the extension last summer you know, players have to work their way up. They're not just handed these these lucrative deals. The same with Van Dijk. Um, so I suspect, you know, he's not going to come in on a, a massive wage. So Liverpool can't afford that. Um, it's just kind of who else is in the market. But like I say, it sounds like the player would be up for the move, which is obviously the first and foremost important thing of any transfer. Dortmund, it seems, have maybe accepted that. I think the, the CEO said last week they wouldn't be handing out any gifts to Liverpool. But, you know, if, the, if he was to join a Premier League club, Liverpool will be the preferred one. So it sounds like, you know, everything is, is is kind of coming together nicely. Obviously this Winter World Cup seems to have worked in Liverpool's favour with with you know, if you want to call them agents Henderson and, and Alexander-Arnold. So I think, like I say there's plenty that aligns and it kind of says that Liverpool are the strongest currently, you have the strongest hand for Bellingham. But obviously as we know in football a lot can change in, in the next six six months or seven months until kind of that 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 summer window does open. But you know, like i said there is plenty of lining which would tell you that Liverpool are in a very very strong position and obviously as i touched on at the top of the show obviously they've done their due diligence in in terms of um you know inviting him to the club as a under 11's player on trial obviously the family decided not to relocate in the end which is obviously a decision that has you know been proven to be to be the right one you know would bellingham have been the star he is now if he had to work his way up for a club like liverpool would have been would have been handed the same opportunity you, you maybe who knows but you know, certainly can't have any regrets about turning down Liverpool, but um obviously those at Anfield and, and those at the Academy were obviously big fans of him. Um and obviously now, you know, seven, eight years later, they've obviously got the opportunity to to finally get their hands on him. And you've just got to hope that the kind of disturbance and, and kind of the, the change in the guard with, with obviously a new sporting director coming in, you've just got to hope that that doesn't disrupt any of the, you know, the uh, the the foundations maybe if you want to call them that, that have previously been laid out you just got to hope that it's as as smooth as possible come the summer
1: yeah you mentioned a player there that uh brings up something I wanted to to speak to you about Naby Keita obviously when Liverpool agreed the transfer for Naby Keita obviously they agreed it basically a year in advance do you think do you think there's any chance Liverpool will be looking to get something tied up in January ahead of him maybe joining the club in the summer obviously Dortmund have made it clear that he's not going to be leaving until the summer but do you think there's anything to be said for Liverpool, you know, trying to get something tied up in January with all the competition around trying to get him?
0: Potentially. I mean, the, the other the other side of that is, as you would have in a normal World Cup, is, is is that January is then going to be the spike, arguably where he's playing. You know, he's at his, his peak price, if you want to call it, call it that. He'll obviously been 19 years old. He will have played, you'd imagine, obviously will probably play against France this weekend. You know, you feel like if England do get past France. They've got a good a chance as anyone as reaching the final. You know they'll probably play a team like brazil um but they've got good a good chance as anyone as kind of winning the competition if they if they do knock out the reigning champions so you think if he was to be the the, the poster boy that, that comes out of the world cup as, as having helped england win their first world cup in 60 odd years his price is going to be astronomical so maybe that's not the, the best way to negotiate was i'm sure the wouldn't mind paying a premium to secure his services like they did with navigator um It might be when his prices at absolute peak. So, so maybe a summer deal as as well. And I'm I'm sure, you know, we're not stupid. I'm sure there will have been talks. I'm sure there will have been inquiries in the summer. Um, You know, Jürgen Klopp said during the summer that the only problem with Jude Bellingham was that he isn't for sale. Whether that means Liverpool had inquired previously, who knows, interpret those comments how you want. But, you know, I would be very surprised if there hasn't already been phone calls between Liverpool and Dortmund over Bellingham over the last, you know, six, seven, eight months as I say he's, he's been a Liverpool he's not someone who's just come on the radar with with, with a lot of the top clubs you know we know that they were they were all aware of Bellingham whilst he was playing in England youth setups you know whilst he was you know making a name for himself at Birmingham City during the 2019-20 season um so while it would be you know brilliant if Liverpool were able to pull off such a deal I would just have reservations again for Dortmund why would they why would they? For them, they'll want to keep him as much as anyone. He's got a contract till 2025. They've previously said they still have hope of keeping him. I don't think they would bow. Maybe in January again, if he's coming off his peak and then he has another brilliant four or five months, you know, leads them to a cup success or, 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 or whatever, um, you know, goes they go on a run in the Champions League. Sure, that's going to be again more money in their pocket. So why would they? Why would they take a reduced fee now? Um, but but who knows? Like I say, I'm sure Liverpool will be exploring every possible scenario. Because in the sense of that navigator one in 2017, obviously that caught everyone by surprise at the time. It seemed like there was, there was no impasse in, you know, the negotiations had reached an impasse in terms of, you know, I think they wanted 70 million at the time and Liverpool kind of said, look, you can go for another year, we'll pay just over 50 and that kind of worked for both parties. So obviously there is that kind of nows of have been able to, you know, pull off a deal and obviously they will be aware of it. But I just think it's, it's like when people said in the summer, would they do it then? Well, why would they, you know, if they're going to commence a bit more in the summer, which they, which is the, you know, kind of the ultimate aim for Dortmund, you know, you, you're going to want him to, to play and, and kind of have another six months at the top. And then obviously kind of see where his fee lies and kind of what his end of the season looks like. But, you know, I'm sure he won't be, I'm sure his price won't fluctuate too much, put it that way. I mean, we, we you know, the, what he's done in the World Cup so far has been absolutely unbelievable. and And it's not something new. I mean, can't say I watch loads of Dortmund, but whenever I've kind of watched in the Champions League and those big games against Manchester City, he's always held his own. He's always performed for England. Um So, you know, it's not like people people will, were just basing their kind of uh, opinion of him on the World Cup. They had been aware of him beforehand and they will be aware of him after. And they will, teams, you know, up and down the country for and around Europe will be will be trying to kind of steal a march on, on one another um in order to kind of line up that deal. But, like I say, you've just got to hope that Of everything Liverpool have done so far and kind of the the situations around the ownership, um, and the situations around players leaving, you just got to hope
1: that they kind of all work in Liverpool's favor and and they are able to kind of strike the iron and and secure a deal. Yeah, it certainly seems like things might be in Liverpool's favor at the moment, but who knows what will be, uh, you know, the situation in summer when that inevitable bidding war does start. But that's all we've got time for on the agenda here today, Kiefer. Thanks for joining me. Hopefully, that's enough Jude Bellingham content to scratch everyone's itch until we inevitably talk about him on the next podcast anyway. But uh, until then, from now, uh, from me and Kiefer, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to The Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.